Welcome to the Fathers of the Future podcast. We are in Scottsdale, Arizona, shooting live and in person with my brother, Nick South. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to be here, man. Yeah. My name is Luke Kayyem. This is the Fathers of the Future podcast, which shares the insights, intuitions, foundations, challenges, problems, obstacles, tips, and tools. Like This is where you can come if you're a man or a father to hear what we're really going through and how we keep on going and get through it. Nick, I know you very well. We've worked together now this year in several different atmospheres, but I met you about 18 months ago when you were 22 years old. Mm -hmm. By the way, you are the youngest father of the future <laughs> on this show, but you had just gotten married. Your fiance turned wife was pregnant mm -hmm. and you were young and hungry and you didn't know what was happening, but it was all coming <laughs> at you. Yeah. You're now still married. You have a beautiful baby. You're doing this fatherhood thing. Talk to us, man. What's going on? You, this is the most, um, I'll use the word happy, uh, <laughs> which may seem corny for, for you because you are a tough dude. Um, this is the best place I've ever seen you in. And you are literally like oozing with <laughs> love and energy. That's new for you. Definitely. Yeah. Um, especially, um, you know, as we talked in the group growing up, um, I had this uh, more of like a kind of like a pessimistic mindset in a way, just growing up, I always, I had, or I don't even like to say pessimistic. I wouldn't say I was super negative, but I was definitely in a victim mindset and that's for sure. Um, just, yeah, growing up, I always felt like everything was against me since a kid. I was like, as you can see, I'm missing my tooth. I was like, oh, I got no teeth growing up. I had a hormone deficiency. So I was always the smallest kid in my grade. So I had to take shots growing up as a kid. I could only do them for a few years because they went from like 50 bucks every three months to a hundred bucks. My parents couldn't afford it. So at 15, they're like, all right, well, let's hope you grow. <laughs> but just, yeah, um, just growing you've, up with You've the, had a hard life and it started when you were young. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of obstacles, uh, parents wise. Uh, I, you know, a lot of people talk about their environment that they're in, um, like you're shaped by your environment, but a lot of time they're talking about the outside environment of their home, but my home was that environment. You know, my home, it wasn't, you know, I had a bunch of friends doing the silly stuff. I'm living in some bad areas, but the schools that I went to weren't ever that bad. Um, but the house that I had to go to home to every day wasn't the best. Um, I had parents who, you know, were addicted to drugs. Um, a father who uh, didn't see for like the first five years very often at all. And we didn't develop much of a relationship until I was 16 when my mom left. And um, so I grew up with a mother who, you know, at a young age, at the first time I, you know, um, I was hiding drugs for her at the age of like six is when I first survived, when I first found them in my uh, underwear drawer. And, you know, I get in trouble because even though it was in my underwear drawer, I wasn't supposed to touch that. They're like, can't show your dad because you'll get beaten, all this crazy stuff. So I had this uh, brainwashed mindset from the environment in my household that, you know, we were really broke. So it's always like you always wanted somebody to come pull you out of it. And that's where I ended up being. I was, you know, as a kid, you feel helpless. So I used to pray a lot. 
like um, always been pretty spiritual, even as a child. And, um, but uh, I used to pray all the time just so somebody would take me away from there. And even it mm. got to some points where I'd pray for even, you know, it's, it's really sad to say this, but even like death, just to get out of that situation, just because I just hated being there so much. Uh, that mental stuff and, you know, physical abuse from my mother a little bit. Getting, uh, you, know, you get beat up and punched in the mouth for <laughs> interrupting her during, like, house. And I'm not even joking. That's a real story. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so. So, so hold on. <laughs> uh, the listeners, it's not going to do justice because they're not in the room. <laughs> but you are smiling and laughing about it. And it's not... It's not easy for you to do. <laughs> That's how you've gotten through a lot of this. Yeah, definitely. Um, my uncle told me that too. He's like, uh, whenever something seems like it goes kind of wrong or something that may trouble you, um, he's like, you seem to laugh it off. And that just seems like uh, it became the best way to get over that stuff. And um, I mean, it's obviously a, some type of defensive mechanism, but at the same time, um, feel like if you could laugh something off in, in in a way it's like trying to overshadow that with some positivity like you, if you can find the humor in anything like you know what i mean it it can kind of bring you out of that it can bring you slightly more out of that darker place you know the fact that my mom you know had this little four like a, it's like a half inch thick plastic cast on um that she would wear at night for her um Arthur or Carpal Tunnel, she started, she beat on me for it. But it, it's funny to think about because, <laughs> because my mom was only like 4'11", so a small little girl and or little woman, and uh, she was watching House. It was literally because I interrupted her during her show watching House. So it's kind of funny if you can find the humor in it. Obviously, the situation's really sad. If if I saw somebody doing that to a kid, obviously, I'd, I'd have no choice but to step in. But um, I can laugh about it with my past. You know, it's a, uh, I, I don't want to say like I'm, um, completely happy but with all that stuff that happened but i'm definitely grateful hmm. like you know i i used to always wish for something better but then as i started getting older i started uh like after my mom left my dad was gone too and uh that's the thing my dad was there with me but he was gone and he li he would work out of town that was the only way we could survive and we were my mom first left we were four months behind on every bill that we had so our water our lights everything was about to get shut off and i was working at a grocery store as a bagger so I had to start paying these bills and I was living by myself because my mom was gone. Um, and uh, my dad was uh, working out of town for a construction company. So he'd be gone for two, three weeks at a time. So at the age of, you know, 15, 16, I was, I was living home by myself majority of the time. No, no brothers or sisters. Um, I have some half siblings that my father had with previous relationships, but um, yeah, at that time I hadn't seen them in at that time, like seven, eight plus years. And I don't know one of my half siblings, but I know both my half sisters. So, so we share that commonality with being the only child and oftentimes raising ourselves and, and then even having half siblings mm -hmm. from, from uh, our, our father, whom, yeah. whom I never met. And again, if you look at that, what you went through in some form of light of, of gratitude for the life lessons, you didn't die. You didn't get killed. You didn't commit suicide. You didn't kill somebody. Mm -hmm. And you can sit here and go, you know what? I, I can laugh at that. That's, that's remarkable. Yeah. And um, I, I, I credit a lot of that to where I'm at now. Um, at a young age, you know, um, I'm not a millionaire or nothing, but I make really good money for the type of more money than I'd ever thought I'd make in my life. 
Because of those limiting beliefs. Exactly. That um, I have a marriage that I'm I'm constantly working on. I didn't know I didn't have before joining Fathers of the Future. I had absolutely no idea how to work on a marriage. My at at that point, right before I met you for the first time, my uh, work on my marriage consists of my wife, um, <laughs> my wife uh, getting upset, or we get in an argument, and uh, then I'm like, okay, and then I just I'd veg out on the couch and just ignore everything, just completely shut down. I go to the I go to the gym and just come back later when she was maybe sleeping, or you know, go hang out with a buddy, or just leave, just leave, and just not want to deal with it at the time. Um, right before we married, and even a little bit after, but uh, but yeah, it was um, <clears throat> it was uh, it was definitely different. And so those were some of the hardest times for you growing up, uh, 15, 16 years old. That's eight, nine years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Not too long ago. I look at my suffering and, you know, we're pushing 30 years. So I've had a lot more time to let go. You're going through that process right now. What Mm -hmm. was it like for you? after 15, 16, what, what, what did those years look like? Did you head down the wrong path? What did you get into? How did you get into wrestling and MMA? And so I was going down a wrong path when I was a lot younger, actually. I I mean, both, but it started really bad when I hit about 12 and I started smoking weed, you know, not too crazy, but smoking weed, getting drunk and, uh, vandalizing, stealing dumb, stupid crap like that. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, selling some stuff, you know, selling weed or whatever, little, you know, silly crap like that. And, um, it's just, I had no, I had no, no vision in mind. I had no path that I wanted to take at that point. And when I was that age, like a lot of kids, it's, you just want to hang out and bull crap. You don't feel like doing anything. You're like, I can, you know, go out with these dudes, smoke weed and go, you know, hop cars and see what we can, what cars are unlocked and go steal some stuff. But then my, um, when I was in eighth grade, my father got crushed by a backhoe. So the whole, we thought he died. And then, uh, so my mother's gets the call from the hospital or whatever. And we rushed down there and, um, he got crushed by a backhoe. It swung around, pinned him against the, uh, the feet of it or whatever. And it broke all five of his ribs, destroyed his shoulder in three different places, um, busted his teeth out, stitches and stuff like that. And just completely ruined the left side of his body for a while. And, uh, you know, seeing this, even at the time, even though I had this, you know, this view of my father, which, you know, at the time, I guess is, is uh, still true. But at the same time, my mother had a lot of manipulation and seeing him as this scary big dude. But I always saw him as this, you know, kind of badass. He was like, oh, dude went to jail a lot. He was, uh, you know, he used to jack and rob stuff, people and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, and, but so my dad actually saw that. And uh, my dad got so bored because he was such a huge workout nut. That was one cool thing is my dad was a huge workout guy. He was old school jail workouts at home, right? Just lay on the ground, do some skull crushers, tons of pull-ups and push-ups. So um, stuff like that used to make me do that every Saturday with him. So now that was, that was our only bonding was like some type of working out at the time. And uh, seeing this man uh, crushed in the hospital, he you know, put him on some drugs, but I got to see him in the room as they're stitching him up a little bit before they brought him in surgery. And he, he was smiling, but he had this one tear roll down his face. And I remember I'd never seen my father cry before. He still didn't cry, but he had a tear roll down. I was like, oh my gosh. But you know, we were freaked out because he thought he was dead. So we're grateful he wasn't in the hospital for a few weeks. And this is right on Thanksgiving. 
So we're in the hospital for Thanksgiving and all that as he's going through all these surgeries and stuff and uh, end up being like paralyzed on his left side for a minute. And it really, you know, freaked him out. Finally gets home and uh, for eight months, he can't even lift his arm. He's like going to PT three times a day and he can't do anything. So he gets so bored that he, uh, we started watching like different stuff. I, we started watching UFC and we never watched that together. And, uh, well, I was so intrigued. I was like, man, I really want to do this. So he got so bored that he was like, Hey, he's like, I'm going to take you to MMA. He wanted something to watch. He's like, I can't watch TV anymore. So he's like, I'm going to take you to MMA. And then it was, uh, it was like a hundred bucks a month. So he was like, listen, I can't afford this. So you're going to get one month out of this. You better learn everything that you can. Yes. That's what he told me. He's like, so you better absorb as much as you can because we can't afford this. And I was like, all right. So before that, because of all the past things from my childhood, I had a bunch of really weird ticks. You know, I would uh, constantly blink my eyes. Very weird. Um, I'd fidget with my hands a lot. I'd have to look in all the corners of the room. I'd have to touch a doorknob, um, like a bunch of stuff, man. And within just a few weeks, and even I did a little bit when I first started MMA because uh, my anxiety was so high, I guess, that uh, my dad would yell at me on the mat, like, stop with your hands. And I'm like, oh. And then, but after just a few weeks, I just started progressing and learning so quickly because it was like all I really like wanted to do at that point. And all, all my ticks started going away. All the like anxious little movements I was doing started fading. Um, my dad noticed that. And, um, but my dad told me later on, he's like, a big reason why I wanted to do that and get me in there is because he's like, I knew you were going down the wrong path. And I saw, you know, myself in you. And he's like, and I knew that he's like, I don't think, I didn't think you were going to be alive at 18 eventually. And uh, something we recently talked about again. And um, putting me in that was the, was the beginning of the journey of my life that changed me because from there I found, I found hard work. I found discipline. I found ambition. And, uh, I got into a sport that, you know, you have to really dedicate yourself to. I was there Monday through Saturday. I was there after school until 8 PM every day, which could be three 30 to eight Saturdays. I was there a couple hours, but and if I was outside of that gym, I was training. I was running three, four miles a day. And I'm only 13, 14, you know, you know, weighing 80 pounds. I don't care. But um, yeah, and that that just changed everything for me. It showed me that like, dude, I can actually do something. I can do was something. your rock bottom before <laughs> that or after? So as a child, I would, it was before that. Um, just being in a place where I was just constantly I don't know, depressed. I just wanted to, before I started MMA, it was literally do anything. Like, I didn't care what I did outside of that because I had nothing. I, anything that kept me away from my house, I did not care. Uh, my, 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 my mom didn't care. And uh, then after that, <clears throat> um, since I did MMA for a while, my dad kept me in it because I just started competing and um, I just started winning all my competitions against people, you know, some 10 times he experiences me. And he was like, man, he's like, I got to keep him in this. So even though we couldn't afford, they couldn't afford to travel with me out to like Vegas and California for uh, like competitions and stuff, he would still send me out with some of the guys on the team and I get to ride with them and then I can go and compete. So that stuff really changed my, uh, changed my perspective at what was going on at the time. Just as far as gave me something to focus on, gave me an outlet, you know, something that if my mom like, Cause my mom wouldn't just, you know, wasn't just physically and mentally abusive, but she would lie a lot. She was a really bad, uh, I don't know if it is considered a pathological liar, but she'd make up a lot of lies. She would say I stole from her. She would tell my dad stuff to see if he would get, to, if he would, you know, get mad at me or, you know, punish me or whatever. 
So if she did some stuff like that, or she would just start lying about something I didn't even do, or would just completely exaggerate the story, and I'd get so frustrated because you're fifth, you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. You know, you know, your your dad's not going to take your side over the mom's, even if he knows that she's lying, because he knew that she was kind of full of crap a lot of the time. But he was at the same time, he's like, I can't just take your side, dude. You're you're a kid. But after that, and my mom left, we uh, when I hit 16, I had a lot of friends on uh, some hard drugs. At that time, I actually first started experiencing. Uh, or and and you're, growing, you're growing up where in, in Mesa, Arizona? No, no. At that time, it was Phoenix, and then at that time, right before we moved, it was uh, South Scottsdale and Hayden and Indian School. We lived there, and um, most of my buddies, um, like I had a bunch of uh, good friends that were doing hard stuff, like you know age they're doing math they're doing all kinds of stuff and it was my first time starting to experiment with certain things too i experimented with some hard drugs and 16 uh, yeah 16 and i tried a uh, meth and ecstasy and stuff and i started snorting some stuff like that and uh getting drunk a lot with kids that were 21 and plus that worked at my job with me and i had no father there and my mom's gone so you know why not and you're still rolling and, and training <clears throat> at the same time yeah yeah, it's still because uh, wow. I do that on the weekend or something like that. I wasn't doing it all like the mess stuff. I wasn't doing it all the time. Like that was a couple time thing, sure. you know. And uh, I felt horrible after I did that. As far as like not physically but mentally, like I just felt guilty. I was like, my mom just left for the same reason, mm. and I'm sitting there doing the same shit. Wow. And I remember one day um, after I left this party with a bunch of you know buddies, and um, they're all passed out, and I left early that morning. I walked home. And I didn't even go home. I walked straight to my buddy's house, lived down the street. And I just, he'd open the door and I started crying. I was like, he just, you know, hugged me. It's my, my brother. He, he was my best man at my wedding. I talked to him every day, but, and uh, that was, there was, was a, was a big moment where I'm like, dude, I, I got to get the hell out of here. My dad been wanting to leave that where we lived for a long time. And uh, we, we made a decision together. Like, Hey, we're going to move out to the East Valley and get away from all this stuff. So we moved out there. We didn't know anybody in that, you know, I'm going to a new school and all that stuff. As a kid, you're like all nervous, but I made the decision with them. We we're like, you know, we, we need to leave here. This isn't, this isn't for us no more. It's fresh start. Exactly. And so was that your rock bottom then <laughs> coming at that time? So when I moved down to the East Valley, I was great from like 16 to 18. I didn't even touch weed. I didn't do nothing. I was awesome. I, I just wrestled. That's all I cared about. Focused on wrestling. I, no, I, I graduated high school with a crappy 1.9 GPA, like like an absolute, you know, silly dude. But at the same time, um, that was like the best grades at that time that I ever even gotten. So I was I was rocking pretty good, even though I lived by myself. I was active in my church. Um, I think I got a 2.2. <laughs> so I think I beat you just by a little bit. My son found my report card once and I was like, damn it, it's over. <laughs> I, I, my wife and I started dating in high school. So we mm. attended the same high school and took the same classes and mom got like a 4.9, right? And the joke is like, dude, <laughs> dad, are you kidding me? How are you going to yell at me for getting a C when you got Ds and Fs? Uh, so it, you know what? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't, right? Like <laughs> right. you're sitting here right now with me in my home with my wife and my kids and your wife and your kid is at home. Mm -hmm. And we're sharing these stories together. I and mean, it's not to, you know, relive these moments. Right. But it's to talk about how we got here. Right. And so the, the listeners out there, this isn't just two dudes, you know, sharing war stories today. <laughs> this is about how one man overcame some of life's greatest obstacles 
And so if he can sit here today and be proud of where he came from and what he's gone through, then whatever you're dealing with, wherever you are, Mm -hmm. there is not only hope, but there's proof that it can be done. Right. And it's never too late and it's never too early to start too. I see a lot of these great people and a lot of people, you know, um, they think, I don't know. I feel like sometimes I see a lot of people and, uh, I love it when I see people like my father, who's made a, a big, bigger change in his life already. And, um, he's, you know, gone down a better path. You know, he slipped up, um, some alcoholism and things like that. But, and when I see guys in the group, I'm just like, it's so cool to see men that are, you know, even in no matter what age they're starting to, they're still going on this path and this journey of self-improvement. But, um, I also want to like help get this message out to people who are younger as well. Like thinking that you you don't have to have everything figured out. And I would never recommend to ha- try to have your life figured out at 18 years old. That's a fact. But at the same time, it's time to like your most important decisions, they say, are from 18 to 25. So I recommend even in high school, like just start really thinking about just who you want to be. It doesn't matter not about where you want to be, but who you want to be. Like a lot of people are like, I got to want this career. I got to be a doctor or a cop or, uh, you know, a football player or whatever the case may be. But just start thinking about the type of person that you want to be. Like I, I never thought about like the type of husband I wanted to be at that time. And I never thought about the type of father as much, you know, other than the silly stuff of, you're like, oh, I'm not going to let my kid get away with anything. <laughs> and now I'm like, I got a one-year-old and I can't not give her anything in this life. Like, oh my goodness, when she cries, it rips my heart out. I'm like, I'll give you anything to feel better. Please stop crying. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you saw my 12-year-old mm-hmm. and her girlfriends here. Um, we want what we didn't have. Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of what you just mentioned is that we don't know how to be dads. You you and I did not learn from the best role models. And so, again, going back to the listener who who doesn't know us, Mm -hmm. who is struggling with figuring out how to be a dad or a role model or a parent (laughs) or a husband, there's no fucking operating manual. (laughs) There's no ops manual. You can't use trainuals. (laughs) Shout out Chris Ronzio to run your personal life and your relationships. Right. And because of that gap or that lack of having the man in our lives, Mm -hmm. we steered. Now, you recovered a whole lot quicker, right? <laughs> you said that about 18 to 25, those were by far my worst years. Mm-hmm. And so to be sitting here at 24, poised, professional, profound, having gone through all of that just a few years ago, mm-hmm. you're now setting new intentions and these new intentions are providing for you. There's no longer the black cloud uh, or the curse or the victim mindset that, right. that we've shared. So where do you go from here? What are you starting to plan now with with your wife and, and your one-year-old? What's next? <clears throat> staying, um, Father of the Future slogan, staying present, active, and engaged. I mean, it's, it's, it's truly everything. And um, you, I mean, I, I say it's from the bottom of my heart, like, 
please don't think that money or any type of financial status or whatever the case is, is ever going to make up for past childhood or for like, or for your, your family life, you know, or um, past trauma. Because when I got, you know, the certain job that I did, and, I mean, I went from living in one of the worst neighborhoods in Mesa, Arizona, where, I mean, we had ghetto birds every day, SWAT teams every, like, I mean, literally weekly, I saw SWAT raids every day. There was cops. I've heard, we heard gunshots multiple times a week and I've, and we've had multiple dead, multiple murders right outside of our home in our little apartment, I should say. Now we live in a gated community, right? (laughs) With a nice, beautiful home, beautiful kid. I have a car. I mean, but like I started, when I started making more money and money that I never thought I'd ever see coming in my life, um, even even my father's even said, he's like, you're basically the most successful person in our family at this point. Mm, That's fantastic, brother. And, um, but I realized like, like they say your happiness, you know, changes at a certain income, like, you know, 80,000 um, is when it, you know, increases dramatically, I guess. But after that, it's so minuscule. And I just remember like, you know, the relief, I had more relief. Like I didn't feel as stressed of, oh my goodness, am I going to be able to, uh, you know, make this $600 rent this month? But <clears throat> it, it, it did not fill that hole at all. Once I realized like, like, Dude, I feel like my relationship was almost better before I started making that money at the time. I, I was a lot more, I started getting a little bit less humble. I mm-hmm. was, uh, I was hungry. Like I got a chip on my shoulder. Like I ain't scared to hustle at all. Like I have no problem with grinding, with hustling. You know, that's who I am. I operate off, you know, five, if I'm lucky, six hours of sleep a day and I'm fine. But <clears throat> when it came down to that, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I just realized like my relationship's not getting better. My, th- I'm not going to have a successful marriage like this. Like I like get into a marriage. I'm like, dude, like I wasn't regret. Cause <laughs> the person who I'm with is so perfect. I'm like, this woman was, I believe, you know, a lot of the struggles given to us for a reason. I, I, I personally believe that I believe we need those struggles and, um, we're given what we can handle, but and she was in my, I believe my wife was placed in my life for a reason because she was exactly who I need, who I needed at that time and who I need in my life. And I just couldn't believe that I, I couldn't, I couldn't find a way to cherish it. I couldn't find a way to really like feel that, that love that I want or in, it's because I wasn't giving it. I wasn't giving out that same love that I was requiring or that I was wanting. At this point, when I started, when I got the new job, I'm like, man, I got money now. I'm like, I'm making good. I'm like, she should just love me. I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm like, she should just want to be with me now regardless. I was like, I can chill out the couch. I was like, she knows I work hard, whatever, you know, I'm like, but I'm like, I'm like, man, that's, that's not even a quarter of the work that I put in now. You know what I mean? Three quarters of my day, especially recently has all been revolved around my family. Um, especially with my wife, it's been so much better, um, especially these last like few months um, as far as me, like my reactions, because my wife is she's on point, man. As far as like a wife and a, a partner goes, she's on point. Like she's just great with everything financially. She spends like no money. She buys herself a coffee. She finds a she finds a free coupon on her app or something. I mean, she takes care of the baby like she's just the most great natural mother. She's an amazing wife, gives me love. He shows my baby love. My family loves her more than me. <laughs> they tell me that every time we see him. But um, I'm like, I need to start reciprocating. This is what we went over a lot in the crucible. 
and I need to find a way to start reciprocating this. And Shout out to The Crucible. We're going to give it a quick <laughs> drop here as we are having fun. The Crucible 2021. We got six calendar weekends. January 22, March 4, April 9, May 20, September 10th and 11th, October 21st. The Crucible. This year, we'll be rocking two days. And... Uh, the program director has mentioned skydiving, <laughs> tactical firearms, shooting, uh, of course, MMA, the mountain. Well, shit, you know, you, you know the evolutions. <laughs> what was your favorite evolution of the uh, weekend? Okay, so the funnest, of course, was the second day. You know, the MMA part was uh, was my realm, so I had Wheel some fun. House. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, the tactical firearm training was amazing. Um that was really cool. I loved learning that. I went home and the next day I was, you know, uh, dry firing. Dry fire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but the, my favorite, I would say the most impactful for, on the first day. I mean, there are so many things. It's hard. To, it's really hard. to. I don't want to pick any, say anyone was most, but I would say the one that sticks out. The first thing that I can think of when I think of the crucible and uh, the change and something that clicked in my head is the one of the first evolutions that we did. It was the very first one, you know, when we first, when we first all got picked up and uh, when I made that video. Mm. That was probably my biggest thing. And because uh, I was like thinking, I'm like, I felt like I knew what it was, like kind of, I feel like I had a clear like picture of what I wanted to get out of it and uh, the issues that I had. And as I'm in there, I'm like, man, these are just surface. This is nothing. And then we finally got to that really deep root. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe. And it's crazy how, like, it's hard, but it's also so simple what you can implement to just make your life better. Mm -hmm. And um, Well, so I got the video right here. Uh, we're we're going <laughs> to we're, we're gonna play it. And uh, if, if it gets a little too heavy for uh, our listeners, we're going to cut it out, but we're going to test it here and, and see. So the crucible date was uh, October 24th, I believe. October 24th? 16th. October 16th. So we're just about six weeks out. For those of you guys that, that may or may not know, Crucible is uh, one of the toughest uh, mental, physical, and spiritual, not to mention transformable uh, weekend course there is on, on planet Earth. And I've been a part of a lot of other programs. I can say that. <laughs> uh, for those of you guys that know, I've, I've done uh, quite a few very intense trainings like that. And that's what this program is, is it's developed on a multitude of, of different challenges and obstacles mm -hmm. and evolutions. Uh, it, it's downloading. So we're, we're not going to mess with it right now, but yeah, that, that was at 6.06 AM. Yeah. <laughs> we were there for a while already. <laughs> so your, your life uh, pretty much, you know, shined in front of you. Right. A few hours in to a mm -hmm. day like that. And that's what I tell most people is if you're ready, like when I met you, uh, June, 2019, you, you came to my little hole in the wall office <laughs> and you were like, Hey man, you know, super excited. I've been living on my buddy's couch, but I got this job and I'm going to get married <laughs> and, uh, we're going to have a baby. Uh, and I was like, all right, well, what time did you wake up this morning? <laughs> it's like the first question I ask people. Right. And, and, and so now, you know, 18 months later, you're living 
right. a lot of what didn't even exist in your previous pattern. Mm -hmm. So now what what is the what is the one thing for you right now that you're you know really putting all your chips into and and of course your family but the practice right the art the the evolutions the the training what for you now is being um a multi-dimensional father a level 10 father as our, our boy chase says <laughs> what would you say that is the the one non-negotiable that you're doing that's just Every day you're in alignment. Every day you're ready to roll. Um, I guess it just depends. Like with my wife, um, a big thing, I guess, recently, um, it's been powerful. But I I would say it's, it falls along the lines of like apologizing. Mm. You know, f funny enough, um, I got to apologize about every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, just really like, like... I'm focused on those demons, like the ones that try to come out when I'm feeling irritated, the one or not, not, not irritated, but feeling pushed. I shouldn't say irritated because I'm fine. I deal with clients all the time that irritate the crap out of me, but I'll still, you know, I still do fine. But, um, something funny that Chase actually, uh, explained to me or told me when I was, uh, you know, with my wife reading before we were married, he's like, your wife is somebody that you will love more than anything and anyone in this world. But she's also somebody <laughs> that at times you will hate more than anybody in this world. So um, I'm like, there's like, when you have somebody like that, obviously that close to you and, you know, um, you know, with my, uh, with my past and having that woman in my life or, you know, her in my life and uh, being the woman that I need and not the one that I crave or that I wanted, you know, as a kid or whatnot, mm -hmm. it's, um, they can get under your skin sometimes, mm -hmm. obviously, but I realized recently what I've been doing is um, I've been kind of, it's almost like uh, similar to this book that I read called Loving What Is. So in that book, there's some, you have to do this in there. They talk about doing the work like we talk about in Fathers of the Future. And uh, when somebody you feel has hurt you or wronged you or something that you're really upset with about this person, they say to change that phrase of, you know, this person did this or this person is this way. Switch that with their name and put your name in there. Put mm -hmm. I in this way. Mm -hmm. I, you know, am being lazy. I um, am not being, am not showing enough love. You know, and I, I started doing that more recently and uh, in just in stopping just in how we've talked about staying calm. Like I, I take a breath. If I'm feeling too over the top, I'm like, <sighs> I'm like calm. I'm like relax. I'm like all right. Today nothing gonna come out of the out of the heated situation. And, hey, uh, let's do this three breath reset. Everybody listening, this this will be the first time we actually do we we implement a practice on yeah. uh, on air here, guys. You want to lead them? You got it. Yeah. So we do four and four. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Do a four second inhale. Two, three, four. Exhale, one, two, three, four. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Pause. Exhale, two, three, four. Inhale, four. Pause. Exhale, one, 
two, three, four. That was dope. <laughs> nice work, brother. Yeah, it's amazing, man. You're getting high on your own supply, uh, not like we used to, but just um, simply slowing the fuck down and taking in some air Definitely is such a simple process. Yeah, I probably recommended that book. I don't know if it's Breath or Breathe. Yeah. I always get confused. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Breathe. <laughs> okay, Yeah, breathe. James Nestor, uh, shout out, great book. I was just looking at my, now we're getting into biohacking here. I was looking at my um, resting heart rate on my aura ring. Okay. Uh, I was looking at the trend over the past four months, and lately it, I've been waking up, uh, you know, not sleeping great. Mm -hmm. um, and it shows I'm averaging 60 beats a night. Well, back in July, when I was reading that book, mm -hmm. I was averaging 43 beats a night. That's a lot of extra yeah, you're heart, heart rate. rate. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, my coffee intake is the same. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, nothing else I can think of mm -hmm. aside from pausing long enough like when I was reading that book for two or three weeks, yeah. every time I'd read a page about something, I would implement what I was reading. Right. And so I was always in a greater state. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to look into that a little bit deeper, but that that's a great book to understand the power of not just breathing, but nasal breathing. Right. Uh, only two times your mouth should be open is if you are talking or eating mm -hmm. the rest of the time you are sleeping. Right. All right. I got one more question for you. <laughs> Well, I got two more questions for you. <laughs> uh, looking at some of the tactical training that we did that weekend, mm -hmm. you were exposed to a lot of gaps. Mm -hmm. Great. You saw those gaps. You went back home. You said, well, MMA, that's my wheelhouse. All right, tactical shooting, that's, that's you know, I've done it before, but not learning it at that level, mm -hmm. right? The emotional, um, the mental, you said it a little bit earlier, the, the trauma, mm -hmm. right? And, right. and again, having had my own and then being 17, 18 years older than you, right? You're, <laughs> dude, I'm old enough to be your dad, bro. <laughs> my mom oh, was 17. <laughs> yes. Now I just got fucking aged out uh, on the show. Uh, I just finally let go at 39. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm three years into like, oh, that's what it feels like mm -hmm. to, to really let go of that, you know, the scar yeah. tissue is still there, but the trauma is, is gone. Mm -hmm. And it was a feeling like I'd never had before. You experienced that early in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so now what else is in there? What else needs to be exposed, you know, for you? Yeah, there's there's always going to be some of those demons, right? They're they're dark, mm -hmm. and and you know the spider webs are well, they'll always be in the closet, right? But but how are you sort of facing um, some of these these new obstacles, right? Your daughter's one. Mm -hmm. That's you just saw thirteen <laughs> years old, man. It's much different challenges. You're going to turn those yes. challenges in, but you know some of the things that you're facing right now, aside from a couple breaths, mm -hmm. how are you? being this man that not only you never thought you'd be, but nobody did. You got to know your why. 
like and something is your why part of your I, I feel like there's multiple parts to a why sometimes and part of your why can be for your family for your wife for your kids we all want to be better for them but we needed want to you need to want to progress for yourself because the main thing that I was missing is is the self-love and the way that I've been receiving that recently is by loving my family you know and affirmations and everything is amazing and uh, that makes a big difference in my day and my attitude and my positivity but you know it's it's putting in the work you know what i mean it's uh it, when you can give that love it's so much easier to receive that love and it's um and sometimes i feel i was pushing that love away when i was hating on myself and i was like you know somebody would tell you oh you know even if it's something like silly like you you're in great shape man i'm like no nah, bro i'm a pussy like you know just and just really uh bag on yourself remember the first time we met i remember you you asked me a question um and i was like yeah i know i'm being a little bitch about it and it was probably like the third time i said it <laughs> and, and you and i remember you told me you're like um you're like it uh you're like it takes a weak man to put yourself down but it takes a strong man to pull yourself up and i was like i remember walking out of there like man i i like, it's funny because I feel like I'll either be at that time where I'm putting myself down too much or I'm at this point where I'm like, got my egos like grabbing me hmm. and you got to find that balance. And um, that's like really what I'm working on right now. Keeping myself up while showing that, showing my family that love, receiving that love myself. But I, you got to do it for you. Like everything, it comes down to your why because hmm. External motivation, you know, it's awesome. It's cool. We can watch a video. I can watch a video of David Goggins and get hyped as hell. Yeah. But that ain't going to save me when, you know, I'm in the middle of work and, you know, my wife's upset. You know, I left the toilet seat up or something. You know, that's <laughs> just an example. But, you know what I mean? And then, like, I'm in my head. I'm like, man, wife's being blah, blah, blah this morning. I'm pissed off. I got, like, 10 meetings in a row right now. I don't have a chance to breathe. I can't eat. And you start giving yourself all these stories. You're like, man, this sucks. It sucks. And uh, next, you know, how's your day going to get better? How's your life going to get better? If that's all you're doing is telling yourself why your life sucks, why I'm like this, why my, you know, it's my wife's fault that she's doing this or whatever. But, you know, extreme accountability is, uh, is where it comes in. Tell and yourself a better story. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Tell myself a better story. Like, I started putting uh, uh, like notes on my um, on my bathroom mirror, and uh, and it's just simple things, just simple things. Pray and meditate every morning. Mm -hmm. um, read, and then uh, the other one is rem remember your why and remember where you came from mm -hmm. and remember where you're going. And I notice when I can tell myself or when I can remind myself how far I've come, that's when I start to get not ego but confidence. Like man, I've been through some shit. I'm like I'm like. The stuff I'm going through now is nothing compared to what I've, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, it doesn't, uh, then you start realizing how much smaller your issues really are. Yeah. And, and then you look at, you know, a third world country or something, mm -hmm. you, and then you really realize how small your problems mm -hmm. are, even the more big problems in your life. And um, perspective, you know, perspective yeah. is everything, 100%. Uh, success is the best <laughs> revenge with Nick South. As, as you're sitting <laughs> here in my office, I, I got this poster uh, when I first met you, like right around that time when I had mm -hmm. moved into that office. And so we... we we don't title these when we begin. And and like I said on the precast, I was like, you know, this is raw. You know, there's really no outline. We're just going to go deep and we're going to get to the end of the journey. Right. At some point, we'll title this thing. Well, that's it, bro. 
you you earned (laughs) the right man because truly brother you have succeeded against all odds and i don't want to use the age but you've done it now at 24 it doesn't mean you're not going to face catastrophes and failures and monsters but what it means is what you did go through has served such a bigger purpose than than what anyone ever imagined and now you get to be that dad that you always wanted in your own life (laughs) right right my brother it's been an honor i i can't tell you the last guest uh i had on here that i felt more proud of being in the seat bro (laughs) Really, from the bottom of my heart, man, it's it's fucking amazing to see you sitting here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, and thank you for everything that you know, you and and Chase have done with me. Because I mean, you guys, you saved my like my life. Like when I did meet Chase, I was on a, that was probably my biggest pit. That's when I was on. I was uh, addicted to pills and uh, just completely lost had no sight in mind did not give a shit at that point and uh that's when we had the uh the story that we talked about me sitting in the closet one time and i was like i don't want it to be here no more but you know i was glad uh people like you know you and chase are there to help save my life and not just my life but save my marriage save me as being a father you know that that's what <laughs> you know is um that's what uh, is that's the most important thing man it's now it's it's not just what you've done for me but what now i can do for Mm. my family not just my family but my my friends that i've helped take out of multiple situations i've had multiple people um hit me up just this year five at least um tell me i've helped them change their lives and and i just tell them like listen this is um what i call pain it forward because i'm just i can't freaking describe how grateful i am for these you, you know you you guys in my life and uh type of people like you to have on this planet that can save people at my age or people that are in their forties and fifties, you know what I mean? And save, it's not just saving us, but saving our, our families, our friends, our marriages. And it's just, it's just insane. The, the network that happens in the, uh, the it's, you know, it's like a good virus. Yeah. <laughs> I should say. Hey, success is the best revenge. Always. My brother, appreciate you for being here. Thank you guys for being here, for listening to this episode. This was an original. This was unique. And I, and I really did truly enjoy it. I hope you did too. If you found value in this message, if you loved what you heard, if, if you believe that, the story of Nick can help somebody you know, can help save them, save their life, their marriage. All we ask in return is that you simply pay this message forward, share it on your social media, email it out, text message it to somebody you love. My shameless self-promotion is that 2021 is around the corner and we are going to kickstart this motherfucking year as the best year ever. Our programs will be starting in January. Of course, we have the Alchemist Mastermind, we have The Crucible, and we have high-performance coaching. Reach out to me, Luke, at LukeKaim.com. Check out the website, LukeKaim.com or FathersOfTheFuture.com to learn more. Peace.